We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. If you would, let's look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. It is in your bulletin. If you'd like to read out of your bulletin or you can turn in your scripture to Romans 8, 26 and 27. And we're going to read that aloud together. So if you would, would you stand with me and let's read aloud Romans 8, 26 and 27. This then is the text for today. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, very few of us get excited to talk about policies and procedures. Especially when it comes to work, we don't really want to talk about policies and procedures at work. Although Charlie Wedge used to get really excited about that around here before he retired. But most of us don't. But I want us to think about policies and procedures this morning. Not policies and procedures on how to excel at work, but our policies and procedures on prayer. How do you think about prayer? What are the practices? What are the guidelines? What are the things that help shape our prayer and help us focus in on the things that we need to be focused on? So I want us to think through some questions this morning about how we pray, about when we pray. What does it look like? What is the content of your prayer? Because one of the things that we understand and know is that we want to get prayer right. I hear this all of the time from believers in Jesus Christ, is that we want to pray. And we want to pray what's right. And we want to be in tune with the will of God. We want to be right there with him, praying in the spirit. And what does that look like? And, and we want to get this right because we've been given a real privilege. In fact, the creator of the universe has allowed us to be in conversation with him. And if that's so, we want to get it right. And I was reminded this week of Deuteronomy 4, 7. And Deuteronomy 4, it's, it's talking about the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel is looking up and, and they're, they're just flabbergasted that we as a people, and this, is, this is thinking through with them, we as a people, have a great privilege and a great responsibility that we can converse with God. What other God out there is like that? Because there is none other, there's none other than like our God who has given us this opportunity. Some of us even have bosses that don't let us talk to them. But our God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has said his door is open. In fact, he's ready to talk. So we need to take advantage of this time. We don't want to stumble through our words, stammer through something inappropriate, but we want to get it right. But you know, I think sometimes when we think about prayer, I get the sense that a lot of us still have this ideal 
picturesque procedure in mind when we think about prayer. We, we think about a person on their knees and they put their hands together like this and they close their eyes and they pray in Elizabethan English, Father, wouldst thou smite all mine enemies? And that's what we imagine prayer as. And that's what we imagine as some kind of ideal that's out there that's even beyond us. We need to be genuine in prayer. We need to be who we are in prayer. God is far less worried about our grammar than he is about our heart. See, that's what God cares about. And that's what he's concerned about. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? The, the grammar is out the window at this point. Just come before the Lord with all that you are and pray. You know, that's what I love about the lament psalms. The lament psalms help us to see a different side of prayer that's maybe closer to the condition of our hearts than what we picture as an ideal. In fact, if you'll look with me at Psalm 13, 1 and 2. This is a lament psalm that points us to this prayer of where we can ask God questions and a prayer of how we can be honest with God and share what's on our heart with it. L listen as Psalm 13, 1 begins. It's a series of five questions, and it's as if this prayer of David begins with these five questions. How long, O Lord? It's a question of concern. It's a question of worry. It's a question that many of us are still asking this day. How long, O Lord, is this going to last? And it continues, will you forget me forever? There are many of us who have not yet had the courage to ask God that question, even in our pain. God, are you going to forget me forever? And the, the psalm continues, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart for all of these days? H have you been real enough with God that you can get on your heart, uh, get on your knees and say, God, this is my heart. How long is it going to hurt? How long is sorrow going to bubble up with inside me? This is a time of hopefulness for us in the Lord. We can pray this way, and as the psalm continues, how long will my enemy be exalted above me? How long will something like COVID be held over our heads? Because, Lord, we know you have the power to stop it. You know, prayers like this, lament psalms, like Psalm 13, remind us that, that all of this is to go before God. It's completely inappropriate for us to hide behind a facade of formality. Because so many of us in our relationship with the Lord, it, it, our relationship is revealed in our prayers. It's, it's all about this, the ritual and the formality of it all. When God's just saying, I want your heart. Quit hiding behind those, those, those masks because I want the real you. And when I get the real you, I can do something good and I can do something holy. God doesn't work with the facade. God works with you deep within your soul and brings up the good that's within you by his Holy Spirit. You know, when we come before God in prayer, you need to ask him what you want to ask him. Like Psalm uh, 13 here, ask God what's on your heart. We can be more like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Too often, instead of praying something like that, we're asleep down the way. Prayer needs to be open and honest. You need to share what's on your heart this morning with the Lord. 
Let him know your questions about COVID. Let him hear your frustrations with our present situation. Lay it all out before him. It is not a lack of faith to ask God questions. It's not a lack of faith to ask God why. In fact, for so many of us this morning, if we would get on our knees and just ask God why, that would be the greatest moment of faith we could have today. That may be the most faithful act that you can have today to get on your knees and say, God, why? Why is this happening? Why me? Because in that, if you recognize what we're doing, that even in the questions, you're falling down on your face before God. And that's a moment of faith, saying, God, I'm bringing this to you. And I'm trusting you for the answer. See, God can already see in your heart. I mean, why would we hold anything back? Get somewhere quiet and comfortable and spill all of your business out on the table before God. You know, as a matter of policy and procedure this morning, be resolved to lay all of your your business, to lay all of your thoughts and all of your concerns and all of your worries before God this morning. Let that be your prayer. Now, remember, though, as we do these kinds of things in prayer, as an act of faith before God, you can and should be completely open. However, you have no right to tell God what to do. You know, some of us go to God with a list, and it's more like a list of demands. God, you need to do this. God, you need to do this. And so we, we go ahead and, and we begin to share our problems with God, but then our temptation and where we get led astray is after we share all of our problems with God, we go to him again and, and we don't even catch our breath and we go and we lay all of our solutions down in front of him and say, God, here are all the solutions that you need to enact and you need to do for you to make this right. And in fact, this is the only way I'm going to consider it made right is if you follow my solutions as if God is one of our employees. But prayer is not a list of demands. It is genuine, intimate conversation with your heavenly Father. You have no standing to demand anything of God. So when we come to this point where we just lay all of the problems out in front of him, that's where we stop. Don't offer God a solution. His is greater than you could ever imagine. And see, it's a a good thing for us to remember there just to stop. Because prayer is a conversation. It's a two-way street where we need a moment to listen You see, if we're just talking all of the time and never listening, it's not much of a prayer. It's not much of a conversation. But lay those things out before God and sit still. Be still. Be silent before the Lord and let God speak. Let him speak into your heart. Let him speak through the scripture. Let him bring to mind good and holy and pure and perfect ways. And give God the opportunity to speak. Don't stop and run. And it even goes another step further. And it's going to get another step uncomfortable. Because it's, it's uncomfortable when we sit in silence before the Lord. But it becomes even more uncomfortable when God says, this is what you need to do. 
and for so many of us that stretches us beyond what we're capable of. That's exactly where God wants us. Where in the spirit we can be obedient and see his holiness and his goodness. So as a matter of procedure, maybe we should listen to God as much as we talk in prayer. Now, as all of this is unfolding in our prayer life, as, as we begin to listen, as, as we begin to hear from God, we, we recognize pretty early on that, that there is a tension and that often our will is in conflict with God's will. So it's important for us just to recognize that early in the process, that a lot of the things that after the, the problems and I start laying my solutions down on the table, God's just gonna wipe those solutions off and say, you need to listen to me and my will. That this, this time of prayer is not about your will. This is about a heavenly way, a way that's better. I mean, Jesus helps us to, to see this in the garden when he's praying, say, Lord, would you take this cup from me? And he says, yet not what I will, but what you will because that's where I'm gonna go and that's what I'm going to do. It's how Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6 when, when he's sharing with his disciples how, to pray. how does the Lord's prayer begin? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is our prayer. That's, that's our prayer in this place. And in that moment, we're, we're suppressing our flesh, our own will, our own desires, our own ways, and recognizing that they are filled with faults. faults. The only perfect way forward is in the perfect will of God. And as Christians, this, this befuddles us, this, this takes us to places we don't want to go. And, and sometimes it's just completely unknown to us what the will of God is. We don't know what's supposed to happen next. We, we don't know how to pray. We come to God, we say, God, I, I want to pray in your will. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you, but I have no idea where this is going. I have no idea what needs to happen next. I don't even know how to pray for what's supposed to happen next. God, would you just do something? You know, that's the beauty of our reverse text for this week, Romans 8, 26, and 27, that we've been studying together all week long. As we get to that second verse, Romans 8, 27, the Holy Spirit and God the Father are one. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is at work with you. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you. As you get later in Romans chapter 8, it says Jesus Christ himself is interceding for you this morning. The Holy Spirit is praying with you. Jesus Christ is praying over you and for you. And they're praying completely within the will of God. And though you may not know the details, and the details beyond today, or even details about what's next, the Spirit of God is with you and for you in your prayers. And the Spirit of God is supporting you far more than you ever imagined. And so don't hold back in your prayer. Don't, don't leave things short, but just go completely in before God. And if you don't know what's next and you have no idea what the will of God is, just tell him. Say, God, I don't know. And I don't know what's next. And I don't know where this is going. And I don't know the answers. And trust in faith that the Spirit is with you. Jesus Christ is over you, supporting you. Now, while we're on policies and procedures in prayer, 
I do want to share with you a prayer procedure that has helped me greatly in prayer. And one of the things that this, is, this has helped me do is to just pull myself out of prayer. That so often my prayers will generally just kind of sidetrack and become all about me. And one of the things that's helped me greatly here is the acrostic acts, A-C-T-S. In fact, you can write it on your notes. Just A, then C, then T, then S. And it's four words. And these four words are an outline often of how I pray, especially if I feel like I'm getting sidetracked. And so it, it goes like this. The, the first, the A, is adoration. And that we lift up the name of God. And you just pray, God, you are. And if you spent 25% of your time just praying, God, you are, it, it sets a holy and righteous mood in that. And the Spirit brings to mind all of those things God has been for us. And so you spend 25% of your time in adoration of God. Then the C, so it goes A, adoration, C, is confession. You know, we've been learning for a couple of years now how to be a repentant church, that God has called us to be repentant. And so we get on our knees before him in confession and say, Lord, forgive me of whatever needs to come next. Whatever you need to fill in that blank, Lord, forgive me of. And so we go to him in confession, spend 25% spend of your time in adoration, 25% of your time in confession. Then the T is thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for. It's kind of like we were talking about in the children's sermon earlier. Just thank you for this. One of the things that I do in that time is just write, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and just fill in as many as I can of all the things I'm thankful for. And then lastly is the S, which is supplication in this outline of prayer. And that's the moment you ask God for things, for stuff, for what's on your heart. And it's almost as, it, it kind of reshapes your prayer so that 25% of the time, you're, you're kind of asking or pleading with God. And then the other 75% of the time, it's focused in on who God is and what he's done for us and how he's shaping us as people. And so then when you get to that moment where you begin to ask God, it's so much more in line with his will because you've already begun to understand better who he is. And in fact, the, those prayers begin to become less about what I want and more about who God is. It becomes less about my dreams and about the dreams of the Christ. And it shapes me differently. Now, this is just one tool. It's, it's one tool to kind of help you deal with the selfishness and self in your prayers, but I can assure you of this one thing. Even with all of the tools in the world, you're not going to get your prayers right. And that's okay. And for one, and what we see in our text this week, prayer is much more about the attempt than it is about the execution. In fact, if you would just faithfully fall before God and begin to pray, he works with you in that act of obedience. And more importantly for this week, as we look at Romans 8.26, let's read Romans 8.26 together again. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. So, so we are weak. All of us as believers on this side of eternity are weak. We're frail. And he says specifically here, we do not know how to pray as we should. Even the most seasoned believers need help and practice in their prayers. And here comes the work of the Spirit. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
God knows where we are. He knows that we're weak. He knows we need an advocate to speak on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit is praying with you today, praying with you this morning. Every time you go to your knees, the Spirit of God is with his children. And so don't worry about getting prayer wrong. Don't, don't worry about the right policy. Don't worry about the right procedure. Don't worry about the right stance. There's no need in, in, in fearing getting prayer wrong. Set yourself free of that this morning in the Spirit and go to God and spill your heart out on the table and say, God, this is where I am. This is what I need. Lay it all out before him. And there is no better place for you to be this morning than a real, open, honest conversation with your Savior and your Lord. So let's pray that all of us get there today together with the Spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, we don't know how to pray as we should. We are trusting you with every concern and every frustration on every heart this morning. And Lord, we we pray this morning that you would rid us of those distractions and take care of those temptations. And Lord, make this right. Heal us. Would your Holy Spirit come? Show us your ways and enact your will. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.